I want to dive in, always on the first week, sometimes uh, the first couple of weekends, but, but next weekend I'm going to be talking about uh, the Mark series. We're kicking that back up. But I will say that this weekend I'm talking about some of our core values. And this is very much a part of our DNA. And it comes as a result of just some of the things that have, have happened in, in my life this past week. I had a, a, a really fun thing. I mentioned it in my newsletter if you read it. But I want to talk about it because of how much it impacted me. So at Christmas, you know, I'm always here for Christmas Eve, so we always stay through Christmas here in Fort Collins, but then two of our kids with families and grandkids live in the Phoenix area, and then Brookie, our youngest daughter, lives in Nashville, so she flew out to Phoenix. We all were together as a family. It was just a wonderful time. Well, during part of that time, um, we have three granddaughters and three grandsons. One of our granddaughters' name is Fiona. And she was sitting at a table, and she was drawing. And she's five. So she had tablets like this one and other coloring books and all kinds. And she is a just, she loves to draw. She's a voracious drawer. She had, you know, 2,897 pins, you know, on, on the table. How many of you know what I'm talking about? These pins and colors and markers, and it's like goes on and on. And she had all these different tablets, and she's, she's, she's got... She's just peeling them off, man. She's making art. And I sat down by her, and she said, Pops, I want to make you a picture. And I said, great. I'd love that. So she gets a pen and starts drawing like this. I don't know. I would say maybe 30 seconds. Maybe 30 seconds went, went by, and she went like this. I want to start over. And I don't know why it hit me the way it did in such a big way. I I want to start over. I want to start over. And I want to say today, I want to start over with some things in my life. Now, I'm an adult. I realize that you can't start over with everything. Some of you are bearing the consequences of a decision you make, and you can't go back and undo it, right? But when you talk about your relationship with God and the penalty of sin, as it relates to God, God, through sending Jesus Christ to this world, says to you, would you like to start over? Because you can. And it is a profound thing. There's nothing little about this. And I want to challenge you today to maybe start over with some few things, a few things in your life that will be helpful to you and important to you. I, uh, I, I really think that this idea of Philippians chapter 2 is going to help us understand the power of our core values as a church. Now, we have five core values that we have printed for, for several years, and they all start with R. I'm, I'm sure you've all memorized them. Just That was a joke. Um, but, but maybe today it could just be a little seed plant for what those are because they really fit with Philippians chapter 2 and the message of Jesus. And that's kind of where I want to go today with this idea. So I'm going to read this, and I want you to really think about this. 
Don't be selfish. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the people in Philippi. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. What? That's not very American. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. And and here we go. Here's the mind-boggling part of this passage. Though Jesus was God, He did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, He gave up His divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. You guys, when you are God and you have all the qualities of the divine and you become human, it's a downgrade. Right? A big one. When He appeared in human form, He humbled Himself in obedience to God and He died a criminal's death on a cross. And then here's what happened because of that. God Almighty, therefore means because of this, God elevated Jesus to the place of highest honor and gave Him the name above all other names. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That is a huge verse and a big statement that most of the world doesn't believe. we got to talk about that. We've got to figure out how we can present Jesus with these qualities that he had. These five values are all seen in that passage. They're all seen in that passage. Let me just start with the first one. Number one is real. R-E-A-L, being real. Have you ever had someone say, well, you know, keep it real, meaning don't exaggerate, you know, be honest. So we have a little phrase that goes with each of these words. And, and, and in this case, it's this, strive to be authentic, honest, and humble. We believe if you, if you do those three things, you're keeping it real. I really do believe that. Now, I try, to, I try to say this to you every three to four years. I don't like redundance a whole lot, but redundancy, but, but I think this is a real important part of how we keep it real. So all of us, all of us have what I would call the core of who we are. This is the absolute bottom line truth, the honest appraisal of our value and our worth, and only God knows it. He knows your thoughts. He knows everything about you. He knows your secrets. So this is the good, the bad, and the ugly. The core of us isn't always that great, and we work really hard not to let everyone see this. How many of you realize you don't even fully know the real core of you? Do you know that? Have you ever shocked yourself by a reaction or a burst of anger? Or a moment of lust or greed where you went, whoa, that's, that's not very godly. I don't want that in my mind. I don't want that in my life. That's the core. That's the human nature trying to fight to win. 
What we deal with mostly in our culture is what I would call the image of us. And the image of us is what we want people to believe about us. And sometimes it's why we wear what we wear, we live how we live, we drive this car, we have this house, we have this. You can buy books and listen to tapes and and podcasts on how to improve your image, even if you don't improve your core. So what is that? That is meaning that I want you to believe something fake about me because my core isn't quite good enough to impress you. And what happens, and all of us have this, and I'm just saying I have it too. We all have what I would just call a gap between the core of us and the image of us. Now, hopefully, we're working hard to keep the gap small, right? We all have a gap. We're working on it. That's part of sanctification. That's the theology term of of being sanctified daily, renewed in my mind, because I have a gap. But if you're only working on your image and you're not working on your core, that's not pleasing to God. And here's what happens. People work so hard on this image and people start to believe the lie about them. And slowly, I kind of like this. I don't have to always be truthful. Wow. And the gap gets bigger. And the gap gets bigger. And I'm living a Ponzi scheme. I'm living a lie. Have you ever been so disappointed in someone that you believed in? You found out that they've been embezzling money from a company or whatever, and you're like, what? You know, you know why that happens? Because you saw their image, not their core. You believed the lie about them, and they, they made you believe that. And it's very important today that you and I understand God wants us to work on our core and He wants our image to come out of our core. And if we can do that, we'll keep it real. Because I need to know who I really am, then I know what I need to work on. I don't want to live a fake life. How many of you have heard of AI? Yeah. AI, artificial intelligence. It's scary, isn't it? I'm, if, you're, if you're not familiar with it, it's just the ability in our culture today to become something that you're not or to, to become a person or to put your voice and your face on a screen and make you say things you didn't say. And I don't have much experience with this, but I do know multiple times over the years I have been the target of that on Facebook with Timberline. I'll, I'll get a notice from our our are people who work with all the media stuff and they'll say, did you open a new Facebook page? Now they know I didn't because <laughs> I don't. But, but now they just know it's a fraud. But it'll be me with a picture of me standing in front of a sign out here saying, welcome to Timberline. And it's really me and it's really the church. And then it'll have some, we're trying to raise some money for a missions project. Could you give to this link? And it's just so awful. You know, and I, I get emails from people, are, you, are we raising money? I'm like, no. So I'm just going to tell you, if you ever get an email from me asking for money, it's not me. Fair? Fair? It happened again this week. And we tried to jump on, an email was going around, and that I was 
anyway, it's just so frustrating. I can't imagine what it's going to be like in a few years with all this AI and a video pops up on your phone and it's someone that you believe in and someone you trust and they're saying something that, that they're inviting you to and, and you show up and it's not real. It's not real. Why? The world is becoming fake. And that's not being real. So we have to really pay attention to who we are. And I'm going to say this before I move on. Listen carefully. This isn't about just trying harder. Because I've tried as hard as I can try. And I think God really helped me to see in my own life, trying is all about works. And it, and it kind of, it's not about the grace of God. Jesus already paid for me to be honest with my core and to be real. He already paid for that. So instead of just trying harder and failing more, I have to learn to surrender more. And that's going to be something I'm working on this year, is when those moments come and my image gets in the way and it's, it's not really who I really am in my core, I'm going to stop and say, God, I don't know why I'm feeling this way. I don't know why I'm so angry. I don't know. I don't want this. I surrender more. I'm not going to just try harder. I'm just going to surrender and say, I'm sorry, I stop right here. I'm not going to go forward without your help. All right, let's move on to number two. How many of you are worried that I'm still on point one? Okay. <laughs> It's so funny to, to be up here and see kind of the OCD people with their outline and they're going, oh man, he's only on point one. We have five. <laughs> Number two, relevant. Relevant. Sometimes when you say the word relevant, especially in Christian circles, it can convey this idea that I'll compromise the truth in order to associate with everybody. And that's not what we're talking about with this core value. Here's how we define it. Seek to share the life and love of Jesus collectively, intentionally, and practically. Now those are three really interesting components that we do this together, we do it with intention, and we do it absolutely in tangible ways that are relevant in our world and in our culture. Let me ask you a question. Work, work on thinking about this for a second with your mind. Do you think that Jesus is relevant to everyone in our world? If you're a believer in Jesus, you would probably say yes to that. I would say yes to that. But most of the world would say, no, Jesus is not relevant. Because they don't believe Philippians 2 where it says every knee will bow, including theirs. Every tongue will confess. So we have a dilemma. If we believe this message, how can we bring this message to people who don't believe talking about Jesus is relevant at all? I, I remember in my life, one of the ways that I really solidified my Christian faith, this sounds crazy, but I was raised in a Christian home, so when I was a little kid, I accepted Jesus, and I can only remember following Jesus. But when I went into, especially high school, and I got into some serious science classes, and lab work, and microscopic stuff, all of a sudden, I started asking harder questions about science, and, and I heard a lecture from a guy who, who basically was saying that one of the first laws of science is that something cannot come from nothing. And I thought, okay, that's a law of science. That's not a Bible thing. That's a science law. 
And then I started hearing about evolution. I'm thinking, well, then how'd the slime get there? What, how, where, where'd the ocean start? Where, where did you get that? Well, it, the atom. The a, well, where, where'd the atom? You know, it just goes back and back and back. And, and I just, my, my, I'm a logic guy. I am so left brain dominant. And, and so for me, I was like, it's driving me crazy. How, how can something come from nothing? And then it, it, it dawns on me, there is a creator. At some point back there, regardless of what you believe about God or Jesus or religions of the world, there's something that happened that started all of this. How can you measure a tide two years from now? How can I tell you where a sunrise is anywhere in the world five years from now? Someone created that. It's not happenstance. And that, that really turned me toward Jesus. And I just gave my life and my, my faith in Him in a new way. And so I start thinking about tangible ways I can be relevant with my faith. And it'd be things like giving of myself to others. How can I, how can I give time and energy to other people? Being a messenger of Jesus. How can I listen better? Listening is a lost art. Do you realize that? There's a lot of talking and a, and a very little listening going on in a lot of conversations today. Sharing. As a church, we want to we share by going. We're a church that goes. You guys, we go all over the world because we are missional in being relevant with the gospel. And sometimes it's feeding someone. It's, it's doing tangible, physical things to say we love you, not because it's natural to love people we don't know, but because the love of God is in us and we see you as someone who has been created in the image of God. So we love you and we care by going, by waiting. Sometimes it's, some of you are waiting right now and you're being godly by waiting on that child who's gone away. You don't know what to say. You don't know what to do. But it's relevant for you not to jump the gun, not to blow up, not, but to wait and pray and say, God, show me how this message is relevant. Number three, relational. Boy, this one really is important, and this one is really challenging. How can I be relational? Why is this a core value in my life personally and in yours? I'm in like three different small groups. And by the way, we have the 21st, I think it is, of of January we have that incredible connection uh, Sunday where uh, the upper level in the mall uh, you're gonna get sheets with numbers and we have all kinds of stuff coming up with like maybe you want to play pickleball or go cycling with a group there's all kinds of groups that are gonna launch with this stuff from mountain climbing hiking Bible studies men's women's all of that so look forward to that why why are we doing that? Because we believe it's our job to give you the opportunity to have relationships inside these walls, but also outside these walls. So here's what we say. We build relationships with people to make an impact in our community and around the world. So I'm not a proponent of being a Christian and going and running off and living alone, isolated for the next 30 years, and it's just me and Jesus, and we're good. Matthew 28, 19 says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. We're a church that cares about those who were not here today. We're a church that lives and breathes and eats this message that it's not okay that there are people who don't care about Jesus today. And so we have so many ministries that are outside the walls. That's important to us. 
We're not an ingrown church. We're an outward-focused church, and let's keep it that way. This is not all about you. It's not all about me or my preferences or what I want. It's about how can we build bridges. Do you build bridges or do you build walls? Man, Christians, I'm embarrassed sometimes. Christians become really good at building walls. Well, it's my way or the highway. If you don't believe the way I do, you're going to burn in hell, and I can't wait to see it. It's almost like that's the attitude. And that's not us. We are the people who care. We don't want anyone to go to that place. It happens by honest communication. It happens by active listening, as I mentioned before. It happens by going above and beyond. We care when people don't care. We don't give up on people the way others give up on people. And we prioritize conflict resolution. That's a very important part of who we are. I mean, I, I think of, of how many people live with conflict in their life. Let me just let me propose a question. Do you think it's even possible as a culture? Let's just talk about America culture. And I know there are many cultures within America, but that we have gotten so calloused in our relationships in a general sense that we really don't care if we lose a relationship. We just don't care. And we can defriend someone just because they made a comment we didn't like and we never have to deal with that fallout. And we defriend so many peoples on an emotional level that all of a sudden we just think it's just our little world and if you disagree, you're out. Man, that's a scary place to be because do you realize the pressure you're creating for yourself and the isolation that you're creating for yourself in your future? No, I want us to, to resolve those conflicts. I, I think about the disciples with Jesus. <laughs> this is so fun because every now and then the disciples would get together. You can read about it in the Gospels and they would be talking about who was the greatest among them right oh that's a relationship builder I'm better than you no you're not I'm gonna sit on his right and he's gonna sit on his left and I'm the greatest I did this and oh can you imagine so Jesus Jesus has to walk over he's like hey boys how's it going it's like oh we're good <laughs> yeah, right and Jesus is like what what you talking about oh nothing and Jesus knows I just love the gospels they tell it like it is and what does Jesus say? He reminds them, hey, in my kingdom, uh, remember, the first will be last. The greatest will be the So come on, guys, let's, uh, let's go wash some feet. That'll be fun. Wow. Am I willing to value relationships at levels that create the ability to not have to be right all the time. Number four, responsive. And this goes right along with this. If I'm not responsive, I'm not going to have good relationships. And so when, when we talk about being responsive, here's what Timberline's little statement is, sentence. It says, promptly respond to the needs of others. And then there's two words. With consideration and attentiveness. So there's a lot going on in the mind of, wow, how do we meet this need? we got to think about this. But we need to attend to it because this is, 
This is causing real pain here for this person. And maybe we can make a difference. Jesus has lived out all of these things. He was so responsive, he left heaven and went through the pain of becoming human. This is crazy what he did and how he responded. I stood on this platform a year ago and my first message of the year involved three words. And those words were follow the nudge. And I challenge you to listen to the voice of the Spirit to say, will I follow the nudge when I feel God talking to me about someone or a family member or a friend or a neighbor? And, and I, I encourage you to write that card or make that phone call. And I, I would say that's what responsiveness is. It's, it's letting the Spirit lead you and guide you and not being weird about it. You know, not a holier than thou, God told me this, but, but recognizing that God might put someone on your mind for a reason. You send them a card. Maybe you leave a voicemail. And not like a spooky voicemail, like, God's been talking to me about you. That'll freak them out. No. No, not that, but it's, hey, I'm thinking of you. And I uh, hope you're doing well. Have a, have a great year. If that comes to your mind, maybe it's just responding to something that you see and you can do and you follow that nudge. Number five, respectful. Respectful. Um, this one is tricky, and I, I pray I can communicate this well because... This has a lot of components to it. Here's what we say, and this is how I want to live. We value all people, recognizing that everyone is at a different place in their journey with God. Would you say that's true? Some of you, you might be here right now, and you don't even believe in God. You're here as a courtesy with family or friends or whatever. You're welcome here. I don't want to fight with you about that. I think it's very important also for us to realize that there are times when I have lost respect for a leader, a community leader, a church leader, something they did that was not characteristic of who I thought they were, and I lost respect for them. Does that mean I can never be respectful when I'm around them? No. But this is where our country has really hurt a lot of people is suddenly you have People who are not just not being respectful, they're intentionally being rude to people who disagree with them. That is not godly. Be careful with that. Please, think about what you're doing and what you're saying. I must learn to respect and show respect to people that I've lost respect for. Why? Because they're made in the image of God. God loves them. He's not giving up on them. Jesus is on the cross dying for the sins of the world and he looks out at those who have whipped him and beat him and hurt him and are killing him and he says, Father, forgive them. What? They don't understand. And that's what happens so much in our culture is people don't understand. And you and I are called as ambassadors and messengers to say, I'll be there to help pick up the pieces for this horrible decision this person made. And I'll give them another chance. Because, man, we don't, we're not very good at giving people a second chance. How can I be respectful? Maybe they came from a different culture than you. 
Maybe their viewpoint is completely different. They don't have your paradigm of, of how you, you solve problems. Let me give you an example of this. And I'm embarrassed to tell you this, but this really happened. And it happened in my life, and it taught me a big lesson. This is a couple decades ago, but we were partnering with uh, some, some people in the Philippines, in Manila. And they, were having, they had a church that was just growing like crazy, and young men and women were being called into full-time ministry. And they desperately needed to train these pastors. And I have a heart for that. I love pastors. I always have. I care about them. And I, I just fell in love with this mission of building a Bible school to train young leaders to be good pastors. And so we got real involved. We took offerings. We raised money. And I actually hopped on a plane with some others from our church. And, and we went to Manila to meet with the leaders that were wanting and had this vision to do all this. And, and so... <laughs> Here's what happened. This is kind of embarrassing. So I'm just so you know, if you don't know me very well, so I, I'm a relationship person, but when it comes to like being missional, I'm a to the point guy. If 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 someone has a meeting with me to get to the bottom of something, I like it when they start with the bottom line. Anybody else like that? It just my left brain dominant just says, okay, what's the bottom line? Let's fix it. And and then we can chit chat. I'm fine with that. Well, so the missionary pulls me aside and says, Pastor Derry, I know you pretty well. And I just want to say, the Filipino culture doesn't get to the point for at least an hour or two. <laughs> They're going to have dinner for us. We're going to have tea. We're going to go sit in another room. And we're going to chat. And it's just going to be getting to know, getting to feel. And so don't try to hurry to get to the project that we came for. And I said, wow, okay, my blood pressure already went up, you know. <laughs> I have a reason for coming here, you know. That's <laughs> so stupid. So I, we get there, and I'm, I've got this in mind, and it's like, man, we have this nice dinner, and I'm being really good, you know. And we're like, you know, four hours, 30 minutes in. <laughs> How many of you know what I mean by, you know, it felt like four hours. And so I just thought I'd throw a little something out there. And I just said, man, guys, we already, I can just see this is a great thing. And we're so excited to be here to help with this Bible school. And I, I feel this missionary go, wham, against my knee on the table. And then and the missionary jumped in and said, tell us a little bit about your children. <sighs> we're here to build a Bible school. Come on. It's like two hours later. I'm dozing off, you know? No, I'm kidding. I learned. I can't just bring my culture into someone else's culture and assume I'm right. But boy, we are selfish that way. And I want to fix it in the way that I fix it, and I don't care how you like to fix it. And we get rude. And even churches get rude. Christians get rude. And I just want to challenge us. Be respectful of someone's journey. They might not see it like you honor them. That's why we're doing these classes on Wednesday nights, to help you understand how to move in. Let me, let me just, just say this, because it's a, a pretty vulnerable place. So Bonnie, my wife, we've been married a long time. We don't fight much, honestly. We, we squabble every now and then, you know, about dumb stuff, like, you know, how many of you are married? Or have been married? Okay, then you get it. If you're single, you'll find out if you ever get married, but we had gone to Arizona. This is just last week. So this is really fresh. 
the, the, the terrible thing about this is I already know my sermon. But the kids are all coming over, and I have a little list of things I'm doing to get everything ready and taking the trash out and all this stuff. And she's working on some food, and everyone's going to meet at 11, and we're going to have this great day. And, and so we have this little interaction, and she says something to me that didn't quite set right. Like, it wasn't telling me what to do, but it was just making a suggestion, and I don't know why I was super sensitive. And I popped something else back that was a little harder. And it ended right there. And she walked off and I walked off to go do our tasks. And I just, for like 10 minutes, I'm doing my stuff and it's bugging me. It's like, okay, why did she say that? And why did I say that? And I don't want it to be like this. And, and it was just wrecking the whole period. It's Christmas. And I love Jesus. <laughs> and I don't want, and I just this, this horrible kind of, it was so dumb. And, and, and finally, I, I was, we were passing through in the living room area, and all of a sudden, Bonnie just looks at me, she grabs my shoulders and has this big smile, she grabs me like that, and she says, hey, can we start over? I, I, I didn't mean it like that. And, you know, I, I said, I, I wondered if you would apologize for this. <laughs> I'm kidding, I did not say that. <laughs> no, I said, me too. You know what, that was so silly, we hugged. And it was over. Like, it was over. I didn't have the rest of my day with this knife at dinner with all of our kids and grandkids there saying, pass the meat. <laughs> I had no edge. Why? Because there was unity. Do you know how many families miss unity? Because of the edge. Because they have to be right because they can't say I'm sorry, because they can't tolerate someone else's opinion. Stop it. Jesus says, come let us reason together. There's something powerful about you and I recognizing that he's calling us to something greater. And when I do that, and I give it to God, all kinds of good things can happen. And I can move on with starting over. But I want to close with this because here's what happens. Satan knows when we're trying to live free. Satan knows when we're trying to move on. You know what he reminds us of? The stuff we're trying to get rid of. The imperfections. He wants us to open it all back up and see what we really don't like. He wants to put that blanket of shame over you and remind you of what you did and where you came from and who do you think you are. Look at this. Don't let that happen. In the name of Jesus, you put that behind you and you never look back. You know why? Because greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world, the accuser, the one who comes to label us and box us up and lock us out. That's not how you should live in 2024. Take a new step. Start over today. Believe God for a new beginning in your family, in your life, in your personality. And it's not just trying harder. It's saying, Lord, I surrender. I can't do it, but you can. I want the core of me 
to line up with how you see me. Would you pray with me right now? Lord, we need you. We know it. It's heavy on our hearts. It matters right now, Lord. We want to say yes to you. We want to surrender to you. Guys, this is, this is emotional for me because I just see so many people who live like this with your heads bowed. I don't, I don't care how you respond to God. Wiggle your toe. Raise your hand. I don't need to see your hand. I'm not even looking. But if you need to start over with something in your life, an attitude, a heart, an anger, whatever it is, you just say, God, I want to start over today and I surrender. Just hold up your hand or do some sign to God right now. Put them put right back down. This is between you and God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the ability to start over in a spiritual sense. Lord, for those who still live under the consequences of a bad decision, I get that. They can't undo it. But they can be renewed in their mind and they can be forgiven. And they can start fresh on a clean sheet. We are grateful. The last thing I wrote down in my notes, I don't even know why I wrote it like this, but this is what I wrote for prayer. Some of us need to update our profile to something with God a little more truthful, a little more honest, because God knows all. And let's write a new profile that accepts our core and lets God bring healing to our lives. He knows we're not perfect. We don't need to fake it. We need to lean on Him. Lord, I pray for broken marriages. I pray for loneliness. I pray over people who are grieving the loss of a loved one. I pray for those hurting. I pray for those who dread going into 2024. I pray that you would be the answer today and that you would show them a new clean piece of paper and they get to draw. For every single person, in the sound of my voice, those online, I just pray that they would see a new sheet. For every married person, I pray that there would be a new beginning for those who need to start over, those who need to have the conversation to make it fruitful. Pray for every teenager, every child. God, I pray that we'll be a church that offers life through these core values and through our lives as we are your hands and feet. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. Amen. I'm in it with you. (laughs) I am. I love you. I do. I pray for you every day. Let's make this a great year. Not a cliche. Not a list of to-dos, but truly, let's draw some new lines on that sheet of paper that honor God. Amen. Amen. We're going to sing this song, great lyrics, and then we're going to get out of here. But sing it from your heart. I want our prayer team to come when we stand. Would you stand if you're able? I want our prayer team to come. They'll be available to pray with you about any need going on in your life. You can come down anytime during the song.
praise one more time. Would you join me? Thank you, Lord. We love you. We really do. Hey, come and let someone pray over you if God has touched you today in any way. I'd love to meet you back at the Welcome Center if you're new with our team as well. Tables in the mall, sign-ups, good stuff back there. Let love live. Say it with me. Let love live. God bless you. Thank you for being Timberline. Have a great weekend.